The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. It's everything we could have hoped for. More than we could have hoped for. But if Norrell is ready to publicly endorse reunification... It is hard to believe that he can rise to the rank of Senate pro-consul without the support of the Romulan traditionalists. That may be true, but... Then how can he turn his back on them so easily? How can he endorse reunification when it's considered subversive? Because he's not afraid of them. He knows that we'll support him. Captain Picard is correct. It is not logical for the pro-consul to support reunification at this time. Why would Norrell lie? Perhaps because he's hoping to expose members of your movement. No. This is our chance for acceptance. Finally to be heard. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, March 22nd, 2018. I'm Bob Matt. I'm Robert Vaughn. I'm Mary Lou Abrojo. And I'm Paul McKeever. And this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color. Color into black and white Under the bedclothes Everything will be alright Well, it's only been a week since Doug Ford has been elected as the Progressive Conservative Party of Ontario leader and already the honeymoon is over. Yeah. And we're starting to find out that this is not the person that people thought he might be. And to our international audience, we are recording in Ontario, Canada, but... All of the things we're going to be talking about today have relevance to you in whatever locale you're listening to because we're talking about ideas, and ideas matter to everybody. The ideas we're talking about are conservatism. What is that? Progressivism, liberalism, Democrats, trust, politicians, all of those good things. And it's the same them, everywhere. That's right. It's the same everywhere, and all of them are in a microcosm being played out right now in Canada's most populous province, Ontario. I think we'll, we'll start off perhaps by uh, just talking about what people's expectations were going into this progressive conservative party leadership debate, because it seemed that everything was geared to have Christine Elliott, who was very much a left-wing um, at least that in the minds of most of the people, a left-wing leader. Not in the or, minds of a lot of conservatives, though. And, uh, and well, perhaps not. Yeah. But uh, Carolyn, oh, okay, Carolyn yeah. Mulrooney, the machinery of the party itself, was geared to have her elected. But in what seems to be a very much like a Trump-like phenomena, this man of the people, supposedly, city councillor, doesn't even hold a seat in the Ontario legislature, comes up and says, I want to be your leader. I'm an outsider. Basically he mimicking Trump. He up on Trump. the populist theme very much. Exactly. Almost like Trump, like clean the swamp, all that yep. kind of thing, coming up. I'm a man of outsider. the people. Very rough around the edges. And brother of, and a lot of people will recognize this, brother of Rob Ford, the now deceased mayor of Toronto, who had his own bombastic style. So... Just let's go around the table. What's everybody think about this uh, this occurrence of this Trumpish um, coup in the PC party? Mary Lou? Well, I think one of you hit the nail on the head when you said what people see in him versus what he has said himself. And that is very similar to what happened with Trump. I saw that with Trump as well, which can kind of concern me because how do you hold someone accountable when, in fact, it might have just been in your mind? Good point. That's yeah. a good point. 
Yeah. You know, and it was funny. I think, as you were saying, things have changed in only a week. When we saw the leadership contest underway, there was sort of a firebrand on the right. Uh, Tanya Granick-Allen was her name, and she had mainly one issue that she was uh, particularly interested in, and that was that in Ontario, the current premier, Wynne is her name, uh, introduced, even for people as in grade three, students in grade three, the concept of gender identity and this kind of thing. Uh, that was particularly object- objectionable to a lot of Ontarians. Granick Allen was the one who came out and against that, and particularly the gender identity issue, and really forced the hand of anybody who wanted to sort of take the mantle of the right, if you want to call it that, the right wing of, of the PC party. Now, Ford being more widely known had a better statistical chance of winning the party leadership. And so he tended to take what he could from not only from Granick Allen, but frankly, from Freedom Party's own 2018 election platform, whatever he could uh, use to sort of identify himself as being on the right. And so I, and I see two main things that he adopted that already he's, he's uh, switched gears on. One was the sex ed. We'll call it sex ed. It's mostly the gender identity component. And the other was the whole idea of whether uh, cannabis, which now is going to be legalized by the federal government, whether it should be sold by, in the private sector by private companies or whether it should be sold as the current government wants in a government monopoly uh, headed by the Liquor Control Board. So uh, we can discuss this further, but that's what he jumped onto. I think those are the two main issues that helped him identify himself as sort of on the right-hand side or on the pro-free market side of the party, and that already is crumbling. I'm surprised that he's even appealing to the right because that's not where the electorate is these days. Mary Lou, when you said that every that they're all looking at Ford through their own blinkers, so to speak, through their own mind, that's why I had to end the show last week by saying, look, look in the mirror right. if you're looking for the person responsible. And how many people who were featured on the show last week talking about how they had all these expectations of Doug Ford or even previous leaders like Justin Trudeau even and then they vote for them and they find out he's not the same person right only Mm -hmm. he is the same person you just didn't recognize left and right it's really interesting that all of the criticisms we got from last week's show and it really generated a lot of interest now that show was the the title of it was the big tent of conflict and it identified in the progressive conservative party that you have a party which has a big tent of supposed social conservatives like tanya granick allen and greens and liberals and socialists and it's just every walk of life in a party that's supposedly assumedly conservative which it isn't yeah, and and almost everyone who responded, and clearly I know that you directed our Facebook post to a, to a conservative crowd. Am I, I boosted it um, to Ontario conservatives, just those two terms, yes. Well, if there was one opinion that kept coming back over and over and over again, it was like the one from Brian A., who says, typical liberal view, <laughs> okay? <laughs> tag a name to those they don't like. And I, at first, I didn't know what he meant by tag. And I said, if you're referring to political labels, that he's got it completely backwards. What we're labeling is something that we do like, and that's freedom and capitalism, which sit alone on the right. And that's a hard thing for a lot of people to grasp. But it's not about what we like or don't like. It's about what actually is. That's what we've been talking about. What is a right-wing point of view? On, what is a point of view on the right? What's a point of view on the left? Given our scathing past in, uh, criticisms of everything liberal on this show, 
to call us typically liberal is, is a complete non sequitur. Well, in right? fact, it's to put the very label on you that he's saying, you know, you're, you're doing to, to Ford. Uh, yeah. In fact, I saw that criticism over and over again in the discussion uh, pursuant to that, th- uh, to that show posting. There were repeated clarifications that no, in fact, we're anti-liberal or no, we're anti-socialist. And no, uh, we're not recommending you vote for the liberals. That's not our point. And people would Definitely just... Definitely not. They would just <laughs> skate on past that and right. assume Absolutely. that be- because you're saying negative, something negative, anything negative about their team, uh, even if it's just an honest criticism that's accurate and, and factual, if, well, you must be a liberal because clearly there's only two entities in this world, the PCs and the liberals. And if you're not a PC, you must be a liberal. It's incredible. They clearly is, hadn't um, listened to the show at all. I think I think what I see is that there's a lot of subjectivism at play here, whether it's directed towards uh, Doug Ford himself in terms of what people think he stands for and parties as well, and what, where, where these people stand and whether they belong in a conservative party. Mm-hmm. It, it, it honestly is, there's a lot of confusion out there that's apparent. And I understand people are frustrated. They want relief from what we've been suffering through. But ironically, oh, so do we, (laughs) absolutely. Ironically, they're reaching for more of the very same thing that got them there, which is this subjective kind of refusing to face reality. Not one of the posters or critics of our point of view addressed our point of view or any of the ideas that we were just what they perceived or what they felt who who you who they believe you are right not what you've actually said right Right. so i was pointing out how it's been our experience that instead of understanding and naming things and ideas and concepts by Mm -hmm. what they actually are yes it doesn't matter whether you like them or not the so-called typical conservatives they opt to attack the messenger Okay, that's always the last line. And label it. And label it, particularly when threatened with the truth Mm -hmm. that both liberals and conservatives preach and practice the ideologies of the left. And that's where they go blank out on it. They don't want to deal with that. They just see someone in opposition to someone they don't like. They want that person out. And it doesn't occur to them that the person they're they're supporting might in some way be the same way. And I like uh, Doug Ford. He's not mm-hmm. a bad guy. Yeah. He's, he's right. what I would call affable. He's a man Very of the nice people. Guy. A guy you'd probably like to have a beer with. Right. A guy you'd love to see as a mayor, though. <laughs> you know, and he could, I, I, I would, a difference. I would be uncomfortable yeah. with him running under my banner. But the problem is he's running with the wrong party. He's running with a really red party. Absolutely. And they are going to control the debate as for him. As we've possibly been seeing yeah. in yeah. the last week. Absolutely. Right. You know, I've, over the last few days... In response to the pure vitriol that we've been receiving with last week's post, uh, looked up exactly what the PC party stands for. Mm. What I have is a litany of socialist, pure socialist legislation that has been brought in into this province by, guess what, progressive conservatives or conservatives, because yeah. there used to be used to be called the Conservative Party before they went progressive. And um, I think we'll take a break because I've well, got just, a list. Just before we do, one last thing I wanted to mm. say. There was, a, there was one comment by a fellow named Gary S. And he goes, go Doug Ford, go Doug Ford, go Doug Ford, <laughs> go Doug Ford, like a hundred times. And I responded, I said, yeah, we think Doug Ford should go too. Very witty, Bob. <laughs> very, very witty. What are your plans for regulation and enforcement of marijuana when it becomes legal? Well, this is a new avenue that we've, we've uh, you know, we're, we're going down a path that uh, no one really knows right right now we're going to uh, sit down 
with a caucus, and uh, I've always been open to a fair market. I let the market dictate. I don't like government controlling anything. Oh, so does that mean that you would privatize pot stores? Well, let's take a look at it. Again, uh, we're going to come come up with a pretty good policy on that, and uh, we're going to see. You are a fan of small business. That's why I asked you the question. You- I'm, I'm open I'm open to a free market, and I'll, I'm going to consult with uh, our caucus, and uh, we'll be able to come up with a, a very strong game plan. So free market meaning that it would not be government-run? Well, I don't believe in the government sticking their hands in, in, in our lives all the time. You know, I just don't believe it. I believe in letting the market dictate. You've suggested that you would like to see more free market in cannabis distribution. Could yeah. you explain that? Yeah, I, I just want to correct that. And if you play back the record on your sister station on 640, um, what I what I said is I think we start off at the liquor stores, and eventually I believe in the free market. So uh, I just believe in uh, the free market and let the market dictate. But we have to be. I want to emphasize this. We got to be super, super, super careful. Uh, it's a road that uh, we haven't went down before. We start off, you know, in our controlled environment under the LCBO, and then I, I would be open to uh, putting it out uh, again. Uh, I, I want to see how it goes first. I, I want to play what the uh, premier said in yeah. in response to your suggestion of more private enterprise. A lot of parents would have concern about cannabis being available beside candy bars. In uh, in corner stores, uh, you know, as a grandmother, I'd be uh, I'd be worried about that. Is that what you're talking about? No, not not at all. Um, I, I know she's playing politics, but that's that's fair game. Uh, no, I wouldn't be in favor of that, and that's why I say let's be super super cautious on this. And uh, it'd be it'd be uh, concerning if it was up to me. If it was up to me. I wouldn't even have this legalized. <laughs> but that's the prime minister made it uh, legal and uh, or go- going to be legal and we have to deal with it. We should remind our listeners that they can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Subscribe to Just Right on iTunes and on SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Hear us on WBCQ and Channel 292 Shortwave. Visit us at www.justrightmedia.org, where you can access all of our social media links, including Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, all of our past broadcasts. Now, Robert, what did this wonderfully right-wing party bring to Ontario? Well, you see, that's just it, Bob. People think it's right-wing. They have a feeling about it that because the word conservative is in its name, that it is a conservative party, perhaps much in the tradition of the Tories from Great Britain. They are monarchists. They want to keep tradition. They are fiscally conservative. They want to go slowly. And... The exact opposite has been the truth. And I went into the history of the so-called... It kind of speaks to the power of a word, though, doesn't it? It does, Mm -hmm. indeed. Like, even over over what people are witnessing with their ideas. Or with their eyes, I mean. (laughs) Just as the Liberal Party is not liberal. Mm -hmm. It's very much socialist. And uh, far from being liberal Mm -hmm. in the sense that it is now the party against free speech, which was one of the hallmarks of what a liberal meant. Mm Mm-hmm. So I went back and I'm going, okay, what have the PCs, this progressive conservative, this suck and blow party, because you can't be one or the other, you have, to be, you have to be one or the other rather, you can't be both at the same time. What has this party actually done for us here in Ontario? 
And you'll be surprised. I think you will be anyway, because what happens? Remember, I was part of the PC party for a brief dalliance of maybe a year. I was a president of a writing association. Mary Lou, you joined the PC party. I did. I worked on campaigns, campaign managers, sat on boards, went to conventions. Absolutely. And then we grew up. Right. (laughs) (laughs) In any case, what we did was really did our research and found out that this is not, in any sense, a conservative party. Rent control. Now, you'd think that you'd want to get rid of rent control. It's an intrusion into the marketplace. It violates contract, uh, the right of contract. It's absolutely destructive when it comes to making housing affordable because landlords will not build any more units. And so they go into decay. Rent control brought in in 1975 by progressive conservative Bill Davis, the Red Tory, as they called him. The Liquor Control Board of Ontario. Now, unlike most places in the world, I don't care if you're listening to us from Manila. We just got a a response from Manila, by the way, one of our listeners there in the Philippines, uh, in Germany, uh, all over the world. People can go basically anywhere and buy booze or wine. In Ontario, the state buys the liquor, sets the price for the liquor, and sells it in government-controlled, state-operated a facility called the LCBO. And I keep hearing people thinking that they're doing it for the betterment of the people because they're controlling the amount of of, of alcohol (laughs) that's out there, but they're not controlling alcohol because you can go to a LCBO and buy 200 bottles of this stuff and take it home with you. They're controlling the market. That's what they want. They got a monopoly on the market. And that's not Pete, that's not conservative. It's an interesting history to it because in 1927, it was actually brought in by the conservative Premier Ferguson. And oddly enough, this was after Prohibition, and the Conservatives were the ones who were opposed to Prohibition. They wanted to open up the market to the booze. But the Liberals, who were Prohibition in favor of what do you think is the actual reversal of the way it should be. Mm-hmm. So what happens? Conservatives came in and says, okay, we'll have, we'll have booze, but we'll make it state-run. And in fact, you had a booklet that you would go in and give to a clerk, much like in a bank, saying, I'd like a bottle of wine today. And they and the clerk can actually look at your book and say, well, I'm sorry, you actually bought three bottles yesterday, a bottle a week before that. That's too much. We're denying your sale. That's how the LCBO started. Way well, not back only when. that, you, you know, they had undercover agents who would go into restaurants and make sure that if a single woman was sitting next to a single man, no liquor was on the table. <laughs> and they and they would keep notebooks when they would say, now, John Smith was positioned here and Sarah Johnson was there when I Hi. witnessed that there was a, a glass of wine brought to the table. And they also blacklisted people who they thought were drinking too much. So if you were recognized Elkie, that was it. You were off the list. Yeah. But uh, luckily, it has liberalized somewhat since then. <laughs> but remember, it Because they want to make in. money. Yeah, it was brought in by a progressive conservative government and remains to this day. The beer store. People out outside of Ontario or Canada will not believe the beer store. Which is foreign-owned, by the way. It is totally foreign-owned by a Private interest. Yeah, yeah private interest, Japanese uh, uh, and multinational corporation beer companies like Molson's who own it, and they have a uh, oligopoly. Right. right. On the sale of beer in Ontario, you can only buy it more or less in a the beer store. And that's where you return all your liquor control board bottles for a refund at the beer store. Mm-hmm. Now, 
I've been to a few different countries in the United States or whatever. You can buy a bear anywhere, basically anywhere. I'm from originally from the province of Newfoundland. You could have always been able to buy bear at a corner store right next to the pop. Right. Mm. By bear. No problem whatsoever. Here in Ontario, that's against the law. You have to go to their state-run uh, oligopoly. Started again in 1927 by the progressive conservative government of Howard Ferguson. The list goes on. What amongst conservatives in this province have people railed against quite often is the Ontario Human Rights Commission. Absolutely. Which is an institution devoted to identity politics. Mm -hmm. Totally group, against the individual. Exactly. Group rights. Yes. You can't discriminate against blacks. Well, that's all well and good, but you can discriminate against whites. Well, hang on. <laughs> Brought in by uh, conservative premier Leslie Frost in 1961, the Ontario Human Rights Commission. I didn't Way know to that go, one. conservatives. Wow. Universal health care, the single biggest item in the budget. The reason that Ontario instituted income tax brought in by conservative premier uh, Leslie Frost again in 1957 when he co colluded with the federal government to have universal health care. Oh, yeah. Well, now, keep in mind, that was the Medicare program. Yeah, that's Medicare. Now, by uh, OHIP, which is the Ontario Health Insurance Program, that started in the 60s under conservative premiers Roberts to be followed again uh, and enhanced by conservative premier Bill Davis. Right. Mm. Biggest single ticket item on the budget, the absolute abolition of private health insurance in this province. The like has not been seen except in other jurisdictions like North Korea and Cuba. And other provinces. Well, when did Tommy Douglas... <laughs> in other provinces, yes. We're, we're on a single-payer system here. Yes. When did Tommy Douglas start his efforts towards... Oh, that started for quite a while, for quite a, in the 40s. So... Were they latching onto that idea, or it is was this an CCF. independent thought? In Ontario, what is now the NDP, the New Democratic Party, started off as what was called the CCF. Um, right. It was basically started by communists, the mm -hmm. Communist Party of Canada, members from that, and the Canadian Labour Congress, I think it was, the labour unions, started the CCF. They sort of wanted this universal health care and the abolition of private health insurance. And of course, the conservatives wanting the votes because of all this fuzzy, fuzzy, feel-good stuff, free health care, they're the ones who implemented wow. it and ran it. And, we, and their legacy stands today with lineups and people actually dying in corridors, in hospitals, For in Ontario. For the sake of universal health care. For the sake of single-payer health care right. and outlying private insurance. Which, by the way... Their, their brand new leader is totally in favor of, and he says he wants to make it more efficient so that we can <laughs> <laughs> deliver services to the frontline workers, and we're going to let doctors and nurses, as if they don't have enough on their plate, now they're going to be learning how to, learning how to run a business. As I keep saying to people, yeah. what I'm realizing more and more is what I hear from conservatives, progressive conservatives anyway, is... Not, we'll stop the decline. We'll yeah. make it more efficient. We'll just manage it better. Yeah. There are usually about three things that the conservatives say which uh, characterize a conservative today in Ontario. Now's not the time. Right. Meaning, of course, they agree with it in principle. Right. But let's bring it in slowly. Or, we'll make it more efficient. Right. Yeah. Or... More consultation. <laughs> yes, yes, we need we'll review. consult more. We'll send it to committee. In we'll other still words, do it, but we'll yeah, consult more. We're socialists, more. but we're efficient socialists. Now, another one, the Ontario Cannabis Store. Now, July 1st, Justin Trudeau and the Liberal Party are going to legalize, supposedly, uh, the, the uh, use and sale of cannabis to uh, uh, under extreme restrictions. 
And to that effort, the Ontario government under the Liberals, using the Progressive Conservatives LCBO as a vehicle, will start the Ontario Cannabis Store. Now, you would think that Doug Ford would be opposed to such an intrusion in the private market of cannabis, which is now going to be a free substance. But no, he is in favor of running the Ontario Cannabis Store and restricting the use of uh, private sale. But wait a minute now, Robert. Didn't I see him saying something about being pro-free market? (laughs) Backtracked within a day. (laughs) Yeah, it didn't last long. It's in fact so bad that the newspapers and and even on the online, um, you know, the videos and whatnot have not yet caught up with that flip-flop, which happened on Thursday because, of course, some of their articles were written on Last Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, last Thursday, and they, they took the weekend off. So now they're going to have to come back in on Monday and say, well, I guess it wasn't quite what we said. He's not pro-free market on pot after all. Turns out he's saying literally, absolutely not. We've got to keep it under the LCBO. A and guess why monopoly. he did that? He did that because Kathleen Wynne, the premier, comes out and says that Rob Ford wants people to buy cannabis next to the candy bars. Right. Correct. That's all she said. And he folded like a cheap suit. That's all it took. <laughs> yep. and because he's unprincipled. Absolutely unprincipled and cannot defend capitalism or freedom or individualism. Totally unprincipled. Well, and you know, it's he's he's tried to resort to my, Michael Emerling. He used to say, you know, some people engage in what's called macho flash. So they use all of this free market language to make themselves look like a rugged individualist. You know, I'm, I'm in favor of the free market and let the free market dictate. And, you know, it's price competition and blah, blah, blah. All it takes is for Kathleen Wynne to pull out her communist credo. And he folds like a cheap suit and says, no, no, we got to do it Kathleen's way. Yeah. Uh, and, and now, do you think? But do you think that was party forces around him, or do you think that's him? This I, is what's hard oh, to discern. I know in the end it doesn't matter, but I'm just curious. I, I, my honest belief is that he got pushed back from within the party because, keep in mind, these are the same people who vote when they vote federally, vote conservative, and that party is ardently against the legalization of cannabis altogether. They don't like pot. They don't want anyone to smoke it. So as they see it, and I'm not saying every PCer, yeah, but no. a very significant percentage, if not more than half, who don't want cannabis to be available at all, they see the role of the provincial government now as being make cannabis as difficult as possible to obtain, to use. To uh, They don't want it. And so I think he got a big slap up the side of the face when he got out there and started doing his macho flash about free markets right. and cannabis, and they said, uh-uh, not with this party, you don't. We're going to see unfolding over the next several weeks who's really the boss of that party. It's not the leader. That's it's a gonna, good point. It's yeah. going to be the party membership. Right. Another one of the huge socialist, actually typically fascist socialist. Mm-hmm. A lot of these are fascist. Oh, yes. Under the direct, Progressive. direct definition of the word, which means private ownership, state control. Right. That's all fascism really means. Yeah. Ontario Hydro, okay, another monopoly on the production and distribution of electricity in the province. It started off private. It started off in private hands in Niagara, and it was bought out, or not bought out, I shouldn't say that. It was taken over. It was nationalized by the municipalities and the Ontario government in 1906 under Sir James Whitney, a conservative. Who now has a whole block named after him in the legislature. (laughs) Yes, the Whitney block, you're sure. And um, I think at the time he said, he was quoted as saying, um, the, the, the power from the Niagara shall be as free as the air or mm. something to that effect. 
How's that working Not out Not so you? much. Yeah. <laughs> Power at cost. We have some of the most expensive electricity in the world here Absolutely. in Ontario, especially in North America. Whenever anybody promises you something at cost, it will be the highest price possible because yeah. they'll make sure the cost is high. <laughs> so n- another gift from the Conservatives is your high cost of electricity. Thank you very much. Will Doug Ford privatize hydro? What do you think? I don't think so. No, in fact, it, the other day when they asked him what kind of... So you never ask a politician what is the best kind of electricity or generation, right? But, of course, he stepped right into the question, and he says, oh, well, it, clearly nuclear is the way to go. Well, it, it doesn't take long to, to figure out that nuclear is what gave us a $20 billion debt retirement charge on our bills. Because, who was it? Oh, yeah, the progressive conservatives went overboard with nuclear, and I think it was like $20 billion in excess of the estimate, et cetera, for repairs, for upkeep, et cetera. We ended up with this huge debt, and uh, it all got reflected on our bills. So, again, you can thank the debt rechar- uh, retirement charge. Uh, you can thank the PCs for that. Okay, now there's only one more item I want to go through before we take a break, and that is TV Ontario. <sighs> TVO is a broadcast uh, television station here in Ontario. And to tell you the truth, there's some quality stuff in there. However, the, it's much like the CBC in that as a state-run and owned and operated uh, facility, a broadcast facility, it's very much a left-wing leaning voice. Absolutely, and that's what happens to institutions. Of they course. inevitably go left yes. to yeah. survive. Yeah, it's a bloated uh, institution with very high salaries for their personalities, and it is very much a left-wing anti-PC uh, voice. Mm-hmm. And you'll see that in any of their news uh, or their um, coverages, uh, where they have roundtables and all of that. To this was started in 1970 under John Robarts, conservative, progressive conservative, relig- originally called the CICA, later TVO in 1974 under Bill Davis. Again, a left-wing, socialist-oriented broadcaster started under the Progressive Conservative Party. Do you think that they could get rid of that thing? No. They wouldn't want to and because fact, it's preaching their, their ideology. This is the same, this TVO, is in fact, the same organization, the producers of which, especially one of the high-ranking producers, says that uh, because climate change is clearly the effect of uh, CO2 issued by man, in other words, industrial activity, that is uh, established science, and therefore anybody who dares to question that will not be allowed on the show, on any of our shows. Uh, we're not going to give them a platform, a podium. And I remember that uh, when I had a dispute with TVO about a, a TV appearance during one of the elections, that particular uh, producer had a discussion with me via email, and I brought that up with him, and he says, oh, I didn't realize you kept a record on me. <laughs> Ben Eisen, who's the director of the Fraser Institute's Ontario Prosperity Initiative, had a a great piece in the Toronto Sun in which he said, Ford versus Wynn, what's the difference? Ben, good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you for inviting me. I want to read an excerpt from your column here. Premier Kathleen Wynne reacted to Ford's victory by stating voters will face a stark choice come Election Day. However, it's not clear if that is true, unquote. What are you saying there? The point I'm trying to make in my, my column where I, where I say it's not clear really whether Ontarians will face a stark choice uh, is that it still remains to be seen uh, whether would-be Premier Ford uh, is going to lay out a comprehensive vision for Ontario that is fundamentally different than the mindset and philosophy that's governed Ontario for the past 15 years. Uh, But the time is now for for Mr. Ford to lay out a clear vision of how he sees 
uh, Ontario evolving and whether he's going to take steps uh, to fundamentally differentiate a government he would lead uh, from the economic policies that have prevailed over the past 15 years. Uh, And as I say, it remains to be seen whether that will happen. Ambassador Spock, I am honored. It's been years since old Pardek's been invited to an official function. He's far too attached to the common man for most people's comfort. That is their loss. I have found Pardek to have a unique insight into many issues. Let me tell you something, Spock. We are going to start something here, you and I, that will redraw the face of the quadrant. Are you prepared to support reunification? I believe it must eventually come. Forgive me, I did not expect to hear a Romulan proconsul speak like a member of your underground. I want you to know exactly where I stand. And do you believe that you can gain the support of your full Senate? Well, things are not what they once were in the Senate. The old leaders have lost the respect of the people. Times are changing, and leaders who refuse to change with them uh, will no longer be leaders. The litany of socialist particularly fascist programs brought in by the progressive conservatives in this province uh, is almost endless, and I'm going to just leave it at those few. But they do go on, including things like subsidies to uh, particular businesses, corporations, farmers, uh, those kinds of things, involvement in the so-called free market, which does not exist here in Ontario, all done by progressive conservatives. Another thing that belies their name, conservative, people think that they're fiscally conservative. We need somebody in power to rein in this overspending, to run things more efficiently, that buzzword that conservatives love. Here's a myth about the PC party. They are not fiscally responsible. Well, that's true every, then. That's every, true. That's the truth. Oh, that is the truth. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, did I say that wrong? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, they are not fiscally responsible. Every single government, at least since 1965, when I'm looking back at the budget, budget data of Ontario, every single government, conservative, New Democrat, or liberal, has added to the, the, the uh, provincial debt. Every single one of them. Some have had surplus budgets, Some have not, of course, deficit budgets. Even liberals have had surplus budgets. But here's a a kicker. Mike Harris, he was thought to be the conservative of conservative governments, true conservative, fiscally responsible, very efficient, People uh, are still slash and burn for, for today's conditions. Yeah. His, name still comes up. His name still comes <laughs> yeah. up. He's been out of power for, what, almost two decades. But slash and burn ultra-conservative, he took the government debt from $90.7 billion in 1994-95 to $132 billion in 2002-2003. 33% increase. There you go. Thank you very much. The conservative government is not conservative. It is not fiscally responsible. It is a spendthrift government. And that's just him. Remember, all conservative governments have added to the debt. So what is this feeling that people get when they think that, oh, I'm a conservative person, therefore I want to join a party with the word conservative in it, even though it it is not demonstrably conservative. I think it comes back to the definitions of words. 
and what the word should mean, not, what it do, not how it's used in practice. And if there's one thing I have to say about this idea of fiscal conservatism, you know what fiscal conservative means, even to conservatives? It means that the government manages the economy. That's what they do. It's like centralized planning. That's what it's all about. Wouldn't you agree, though, that the perception, when you say someone is fisc- a party is fiscally conservative, oh, the, the perception is you're pers- going to be responsible. Well, it's, oh, like, yeah. it's like as if I came to you and, and I said, uh, I'm going to be responsible. Mm-hmm. And then I go out and shoot people, <laughs> right? Well, you were responsible for killing all those right. people. <laughs> and then I'm responsible <laughs> for I killing say, what are you responsible <laughs> for? <laughs> That's right. But it's all about managing the economy, and they think they're managing the economy efficiently. Right. Right. And when, so, in fact, it can't be managed. No. Well, that's, that's not, the key, isn't it's it? It's like saying you're going to manage the weather. Yes. Yeah. Okay, you can't manage the weather. It's a, it's a, Wait a minute, somebody is saying that. Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, although they've never all come up them. with any technology that shows right. that they can change the temperature in, a, in the slightest. But, but uh, yeah, I think you're onto something there, Bob. Fiscal conservatism does not mean free marketeer. It just means trying to do socialism more efficiently, trying to manipulate the economy in some kind of efficient way. It can't be done. It's a controlled market. Look at all the examples Robert brought up from LCBO on down. Every one of those is somebody running a business. And yet there are the the people like me who I became involved with Mm -hmm. the PCs during my Karis days. And that idea of who the PCs were, that was the idea that stuck in my head. That they were fiscally conservative. That under Harris, private sector growth was great. Not so much public sector growth, which is better. But unfortunately, after he was gone... They snapped right back. They snapped. Well, I found out later that they snapped back. I had no idea from my perspective. I didn't know what was going on until I met the Freedom Party and started to understand all this history of the PCs. But I think a lot of people still have that idea of the PCs being the party of Mike Harris. Yes, and if you had had a socialist party or even a communist party in and the economy was doing well, people would associate that party with economy because I think many times economies do well despite the government, not because of it. That's a good point. Okay, and I think that's what was happening during the Harris years. I forget there were a lot of interesting trends going on and there were new things coming into the market that was creating a whole new area of economic activity. Well, for one, interest rates had dropped Mm -hmm. because it was during the NDP years... Mm. That monetary policy in Canada switched, and we had these 18% interest rates and et cetera. And those fell considerably by the time the Harris years came along. Her- it was that the was Harris a big government. change. Yes. Right. The Harris government was the one that replaced the NDP. And it also came on the heels of a really ve- a very bad situation federally with the debt and et cetera, where things got so bad that there was the emergence of the Reform Party. Mm-hmm. And the Reform Party put pressure on prevent the provincial progressive conservatives not to get wiped out like the federal PCs had by the Reform Party. So they what did they do? Well, they had Mark Mullins, who ended up later uh, running the the Fraser Institute, draw up a, a platform that we now call Mike Harris's Common Sense Common Revolution. Sense Revolution. But that wasn't written by Mike Harris. That was Mark Mullins's creation. And um, effectively, it was a plan to deal with the runaway. Uh, deficit and and debt that the NDP had run. They did it, although they did it by, in fact, raising revenues. They didn't do it by cutting. People can call, you know, Mike Harris, Mike the Knife or whatever you want to call him, but he didn't. He increased spending over those years. How did he do it? Well, he had increased revenues. You know, he had more money coming in from the activity because the economy was better during his reign than it was during during the, the Ray years. They're responsible for managing the economy and they don't realize that's not their proper function. No. No, so they're, they're, if, you, they're, if you have this ill-defined party then philosophically or 
on principles, economically, ideologically. It's easy to see how different people can inject their idea or their perception of what this party is and refuse to look at what it really is and therefore alternatives to it. That's what Doug Ford is representing today. If people see an image of somebody who says that they are conservative, but they are refusing or unable to listen to what he is saying and what the part he has actually done, the reality of the situation. And if they listen to Doug Ford, then they will find out that he stands for nothing. Well, in fact, how can you believe that he's standing for something that's different from liberalism, if you want to call it that, or NDPism? How can you believe that when in the same breath he's saying he wants to bring into the PC tent liberals and New Democrats and Greens? Now, clearly, unless a, a liberal, a New Democrat, and a Green is just as vacuous as someone who says, I'm a progressive conservative because I'm a progressive conservative and I don't care about any of the policies. I just want to be on a team called progressive conservative. Right. The only people he could possibly drag in if he's not going to influence the direction of the progressive conservatives, is people who have absolutely no knowledge of politics, but who happen to call themselves liberals or PC, or, or sorry, or NDP. So who cares? So you've brought a lot of people along from these other parties. It's doubtful they have no views on politics, and it's quite likely that you're bringing on board uh, people who are going to say, look, if you want to keep our loyalty... If you want to keep us in the fold, if you want us to keep supporting the party and and electing it, now you're going to have to soften your views. You're going to have to give some of those NDP positions on, say, unions. You're going to have to give some of those liberal positions on, say, uh, social issues like the ones that Kathleen Wynne's brought in, uh, gender identity. Um, If you want to bring in the Greens, you're going to have to say that you're absolutely and utterly in favor of fighting the climate. Right. Right. So, okay, if that's what you want to do to your party, make it even worse then Rob Ford's your man, and I, I, he's saying so. Until I discovered Freedom Party and, and had could see these things more clearly, I think I would have missed, and many people have missed, things like these comments Doug Ford makes. They don't hear them or see them in the same way. And also Tanya Granick allen is another point, who everybody perceives as the real conservative in the race oh boy. to this day, right? But did anybody else notice when she was interviewed by Andrew Lawton She said several things that kind of jarred me. One was her strict adherence to the idea that rural buses and rural schools should all be kept open for the sake of a few people. Yeah, a school for Rather than talking about, right, right. And that kind of struck me. And then the other was her comments about all these corporations making money off the backs of the people. It sounded like real sort of eat the rich Bernie Sanders kind of rhetoric. Right. So where did that come from? Right. But, and yet, how many people actually noticed that about her? It wasn't until I pointed it out to a few people that they said, oh, yeah, these are conservatives. So that's how difficult it is to get people to notice when the rhetoric doesn't match. Mary Lou, you and I belong to a a coffee clatch. I call them the Starbucks. Right. But they are mostly, almost entirely, conservative. Conservative in nature, if not in politics. Because... um, they may not necessarily be conservative in politics, but they are conservative in nature. And you and I have attempted and failed <laughs> to turn them on to Freedom Party. Because why? Oh, well, you're not viable. We believe in what you're doing, but you're not viable. And I, I go back to them and I say, why aren't we viable? 
We're not viable because people like you are not supporting us. Right. People who actually believe in us will support the enemy, the PCs. Why? Because they can get elected and throw out the liberals. But we, to we, what we, end? we, we say, well, to what end? You're still going to get the same po- policies. Right. As a matter of fact, the PCs were the ones who brought in most of these policies we all object to. Right. And there is this blindness, mm-hmm. I think, this unwillingness to, to try something new, to go out there and actually vote on principle based on the actual definitions of the words they supposedly support. Individual freedom, conservatism, you know, capitalism. Capitalism, they don't even know what it means. And that's where I get frustrated is when I hear them enunciate certain values that I share and that Freedom Party is the only entity out there politically that also shares those values and they don't support them. Well, yeah, if they, they go don't even to know the what they're against, if you but think about it. That's a good point. Yeah, if, if they don't even know what they're that's against, because issue. if you don't, or if your focus is not the issues and the, and the principles, if it's just the party name and the party association and its size, well, then you're not objecting to liberalism, whatever that is. You're not really objecting to its policies because you're willing to bring liberals into your own tent. What you're really objecting to is the liberal party, that team. It's like the Habs versus the, the Maple Leafs. There's no more f- f- you know, philosophy or politics to it than, you know, it's the, the team with the one insignia versus the team with the other insignia. And I think that's a real flaw. You have to remember that you're doing politics because you want to change in policy, not because you want to change in party name or party color or even the, the name of the person who's the leader. I mean, who would care if if Kathleen Wynne remained premier, if what she suddenly was in, in you know involved in, in doing or wanted to propose was a private market, a free market for, you know, whether it's cannabis sales, liquor sales, uh, you know, less government involvement in, as you say, controlling the market, getting government out of uh, fighting the climate and et cetera. If she were in favor of that, all of a sudden, yeah. who wouldn't want to vote for her if you were a real, quote unquote, conservative, a real right, you know, right wing type person or a person who's just plain right, as we are, you know, that would be obviously the way to go. I'm not saying she is that way. She's no, exactly it's funny, funny you pick her, but interesting contrast there. If Kathleen Wynne were to say that, I'd believe her. <laughs> because she'd follow through on what she says, whereas the PCs will tell you that and go uh, the opposite now way. Now you brought up a point that right. I wanted to mention, and that is the duplicity, oh. the deceit. All the other parties, the New Democratic Party, basically say, hey, we're socialists, we like it, and this is what we're going right. to do. The liberals, we're just going to do whatever you like. They say that. They come out and say, the people want this, the people want that. We'll do it, doesn't matter what. The conservatives... We're capitalists. We're free marketeers. We believe in fiscal responsibility. What happens when they get in? They implement the policies of the NDP and the well, liberals. They are, sorry to say, liars and deceivers. Not only that, I, you know, if they're not lying that way, they might be lying the other way. My personal view on Patrick Brown, for example, was that he was the architect of a plan to um, do whatever he wanted to do, probably something that was a little less hideous than what uh, Kathleen Wynne's doing to the province, but by making it seem as though he wanted to do exactly the same thing as Kathleen Wynne. In other words, he came out with a platform, the People's Guarantee, that promised essentially to keep going with the, the Kathleen Wynne program. But I don't doubt for a second people thought that that was a good idea within the PC party because because they thought, you have to win by stealth. Make people think you're a liberal because most voters are liberals, so we have to win them over. <laughs> that, was actually, yeah. that was actually part of the comments to our Facebook post is people, I told people, they are lying, right? Just to win. They go, well, yeah, so 
Yeah. Of course you got to lie to win. Yeah, but this brings up a good point. If that's true, why were they so happy when Brown was out? Only because, only were because. Were they just sitting on their opinions and keeping them to themselves? I think, while? I think some of them actually thought that the sexual allegations against him were true yes. and that he was a distasteful character for it. Yeah. You know. You can say a lot of things about conservatives. I think one thing you can't say about them is that they're, that, that, you know, that they, they, they are um, tolerant of that kind of, of conduct, right? And so, you know, a lot of f- folks in the uh, progressive conservative party are good, upstanding people morally. Uh, they're socialists, a lot of them, but you can't say that they're necessarily into those kinds of dalliances. <laughs> no, 100%. But I guess my point, though, is after he was ousted, we all heard how much they despised the people's guarantee and despised how it came about, that it was undemocratic methods and this and that. Well, where was all that screaming before Patrick was outed as a possible... Well, that that speaks to the whole divisiveness This is what bothers me. So they were the party, willing, right? it says, that they were willing to shut up. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, pretend they were pretend liberals. they were conservatives to win. Yeah, exactly. So, how widespread is this movement? There are groups in every populated area. I've personally spoken to members from four provinces. It has become a serious concern for the Romulan leadership. Serious enough for the leaders to suddenly embrace a Vulcan peace initiative? I. I have some difficulty in accepting that. Since you have a closed mind, Captain, closed minds have kept these two worlds apart for centuries. In the Federation, we have learned from experience to view the Romulans with distrust. We can either choose to live with that enmity or seek a way to change it. I choose the latter. I will be the first to cheer when the neutral zone is abolished. But I wonder if this movement is strong enough to reshape the entire Romulan political landscape. One can begin to reshape the landscape with a single flower, Captain. Hardik never saw these kids. It's safe. They won't find us here. What will you do now? What we have always done. Continue to teach, pass on the ideals to a new generation, work for the day when new thoughts may be spoken aloud. The Federation will welcome that day. I wish you well. Thank you. Thank you, you, Captain. Captain, I will not be coming with you. Ambassador. The reason for my coming here has never been more clear. The union of the Vulcan and the Romulan people will not be achieved by politics or by diplomacy. But it will be achieved. The answer has been here before us all along. An inexorable evolution toward a Vulcan philosophy has already begun. Like the first Vulcans, these people are struggling toward a new enlightenment. And it may take decades or even centuries for them to reach it, but they will reach it. And I must help. I have learned that it is useless to argue with you once your mind is set. Not at all, Captain. I have found our arguments quite useful. So where do we go from here? We've got the progressive conservatives in opposition, or and it looks as if they are poised to be the next uh, party in power in Ontario, and, and they probably will be. And yet here we are, members of the Freedom Party of Ontario. We know... 
we have the better solution. We know we've got the, the better mousetrap. But society in Ontario is not yet willing to make the change to take that leap of faith, perhaps, or of reason mm-hmm. to vote Freedom Party. Yeah. And I've said to a, a, a colleague of mine just recently, a conservative some in most cases, but also a Freedom Party member, when, he, when, he, when we were talking about the viability of Freedom Party, and I said, look, Freedom Party is a placeholder. It takes two things for power to change politically. That is the willingness and the culture of the people. It has to be in that direction. And there has to be something to pick up or to latch on to that cultural change. And that's Freedom Party. We're ready. We're here. We're actually having candidates in the elections, and we have for the last 30, 45 years. And even if we don't get into the halls of power in this election, we're here. We're ready. When, when Ontario's ready, we'll be here. Well, the other thing is, I, I, I would go further than saying that a party like Freedom Party is just a placeholder. Any party of principle uh, is made up of people of principle. And the people it is, is against are those who are unprincipled, who are not willing to have the integrity to vote with what they want instead of who they think they should back. There's a big difference there. And psychologically, it's really important, I think, if you have certain values that you want to see the government carry through. If you think you don't want the government to, for example, fight climate change or to uh, impose uh, things like um, gender uh, identity on on people in grade three and et cetera, then you need to vote with your beliefs, not with, well, they've got a better chance of knocking out the, the liberals. And the reason is, when you stand by your values... A, if you're calling yourself a conservative, then you have a right to. But if you just vote conservative and you're voting for something that's effectively the same as the liberals, you're not voting conservative and you're lacking integrity. Now, here's what happens if you do vote for the values and planks that you want. Even if you think your party of choice is not going to win, you can lord that over all of those other people who didn't have the gumption the strength of will, the integrity to do the right thing. And when the whole house of cards comes crumbling down on your head and you can say, I told you so, you'll have a greater amount of influence than you would ever have had had you done the wrong thing and just voted with the pack. I'll make one quick point is that at this point for me, it's not even an option, Paul. Yeah. Honestly, once I saw the problems with how I was thinking my support of the PCs, I literally can't unsee them, and I can't vote for them. I can't. It's, it's such a lie. There's so de- so much deception there. The emperor wears no clothes, and mm-hmm. he's not carrying I much. see that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know I, why I called it a placeholder, Paul? It certainly wasn't to disparage uh, no, no. Freedom Party or to suggest that we're not ready to govern. It's because... People aren't ready. Well, that's true, but it's because... If you want, once the people are ready to choose freedom and and capitalism and see the benefits of such things, they cannot turn to a progressive conservative party, a liberal party, or new democratic party simply because of that. They are so corrupt at the core that they are incapable of carrying the banner of freedom. Well, not only that, I guarantee you that when, when the time comes and people decide, and it could be this election, it could be 10 elections from now, it doesn't matter to me. I'm, I'm always going to stand with my, my values. But um, when that time comes, I guarantee you that we will see a merger 
and you will end up with the progressive conservative liberal NDP party of Ontario on the one side, and literally some amalgam of those names, versus Freedom Party or whatever the Freedom Party name remains or, or becomes. There will be values on one side or values on, and values on the other. That's it. If, if things are going the right way. Until that polarization occurs, and that's all a question of, not of time, just a question of will. I certainly believe there's, and keep in mind, I just want to point this out. It's not as though you need 50% of the population to vote for you. Kathleen Wynne's party was elected by 20%. 20.73% of the eligible voters. Right. So to get even like a minority government, imagine that you only needed to get 15% of the vote, which is all you would need, in order to form a minority government in this province. Now I ask you, if you are sitting around the coffee clutch, a bunch of progressive conservatives or conservatives and saying, I guess we better vote the PCs because they they've got the chance of winning 51%, you're looking at the wrong game. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if 70% of the province is hardcore communist. You only need 20%, as demonstrated by Kathleen Wynne's win, one, one in five need to support Freedom Party. That's it. If you can get one in five voters to support Freedom Party, you would have a freedom government, majority government. That's where, that's the reality. That's the game. And so when people say, well, you've got to compromise to get the middle ground. No, you don't. The middle ground is in the middle of the socialists. I fully admit the majority of, of Ontarians are socialist, but I fully expect that 20 to 30 to 40 percent are not. And if we aim just for those people and say to heck with the rest because they're never going to vote for us anyway, we can consistently win a majority. There's no, go- no good idea in compromising with the 60 percent socialists. That's no, just and, a- th- and think about the tragedy of that too, right. of giving in yeah. to that. Right now, that's sort of the last bastion to stand against what is essentially a predominantly socialist-dominated so uh, political parties in Ontario. Right. It would be tragic if uh, Freedom Party gave up. Absolutely. No, when I vote Freedom Party, but my ex next to the Freedom Party candidate, I actually feel good. Me too. I actually feel good when I make that trip to the polling booth, make that X, because to me it's an act of defiance. Yeah. It's not just what I'm voting for or against. It is something that is just you know it's actually right what and i it like just feels good it's just how, that's how i look at it i feel like i'm i've i, I don't feel guilty yeah. yeah about what i voted for which has always been in the past and you know they always tell you oh if you don't vote you don't have a right to complain <laughs> mm-hmm. if you vote for any of those parties you don't have a right to complain but not knowing a lot of people still don't know that we exist as an option and that's understandable too and there and and it's a party yet to be discovered Yours to discover, Bob. Okay, so this has been a party political broadcast brought to you by the <laughs> Freedom Party of Ontario. And as we go out, maybe we should at least tell people how to get hold of the Freedom Party. Paul McKeever is the leader of the Freedom Party of Ontario. Yes. Bob Metz is the president and founder of the Freedom Party of Ontario. Mary Lou and I work with the Freedom Party of Ontario, not financially, but yeah. <laughs> amongst the workings of yeah. Yeah, volunteers. And so where does one go to learn more about the Freedom Party of Ontario, Paul? Freedom Party, one word, freedomparty.on as in Nancy, dot C-A, freedomparty.on dot C-A, and you'll find probably the platform of your dreams waiting for you right there. Well, in the interest of efficiency, it looks like our time's up, and I just want to let people know that this show has not been funded by the Liberal Party of Ontario or by Kathleen Wynne. Or George Soros. Or George Soros, (laughs) or any of those people. 
and neither will next week's episode. So join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. So, now you shoot me? Not necessarily. But the Gestapo might. Why? Several reasons. For losing the battle plans? They're still in there. But we might have made copies. What happens then? You deliver them. The Russians already have the plans. You get shot as a traitor. But if I say the plans might have been tempered with... They shoot you for inefficiency, Waffi. I see.